0: Snuff Production. Hello, in this episode of The Briefing, the massive problems in the cosmetic surgery industry. And we're going to look at the investigations by journalist Adele Ferguson. And they have revealed a series of horrific stories and an industry that really needs a shake up. So we'll find out how these investigations actually began with a mystery USB stick turning up in the mail.
1: A USB landed in my letterbox and it had all these leaked images and messages of what was really going on in the Lanza clinics.
0: So that is Adele Ferguson explaining where that USB stick led her. More on that in our briefing. Uh, First, Katrina Blaus is here for today's headlines. It is Monday the 26th of September.
2: Parts of western and southern New South Wales are still on flood watch with more rain expected tomorrow.
0: Yeah, Gunnedah is still suffering major flooding and the towns of Weewar and Warren are cut off. Rivers across New South Wales, Central West and Riverina are already sodden but they're expecting another 50 millimetres of rain in the coming days.
2: Yeah, some sad news over the weekend. A family and a Central West community are mourning the death of a five-year-old boy, Jaden L. Jeu. He died when the car he was travelling in was swept away in floodwaters on Friday.
0: Tullamore is a very small community, very close-knit, and it's had major impacts on the whole community. Yeah, that's David Marr, Police Chief Inspector. They're speaking on Channel 10. Um, so the boy's mother and his sibling remain in hospital, their car became inundated with water and they had to cling to trees to survive. But sadly, the five-year-old boy didn't make it. They'd been visiting the Dubbo Zoo.
2: Tributes are flowing in for former surf star Chris Davidson. He died after an alleged one-punch attack outside a pub on the New South Wales mid-north coast over the weekend.
0: Yeah, tragic story. So a lot of people remembering Chris Davidson, including former world champ Mark Okolupo and Kelly Slater who Chris Davidson actually beat a couple of times at Bells when he was very young. Uh, A 42-year-old man has been charged over the incident that led to Chris Davidson's death.
2: A Perth man is behind bars in Bali for allegedly smuggling heroin and methamphetamine into Dempassar Airport.
0: Yeah, so the guy's name is Jeff Welton. He'd been working in Bali as a diving instructor and he was stopped after arriving on a flight from Vietnam A search uncovered eight grams of heroin and a small amount of methamphetamine. The 51-year-old had allegedly hid the drugs in a condom.
2: Yeah, so his lawyer is arguing the drugs are for personal use and that he's an addict. And this is important because under Bali law, the maximum penalty for smuggling drugs into the country to sell them is death by firing squad.
0: Yeah, but you'd have to think that eight grams, it's a, it's a relatively small amount. Mm. Uh, and so that story from his lawyer might stack up and save him from the death penalty, but we'll have to wait and see.
2: A woman is in a critical condition after being hit by a roller coaster. So this happened while she was retrieving her phone at the Melbourne Royal Show.
0: It's understood the woman, uh, aged in her 20s, stepped onto the Rebel Coaster track to pick up her phone and then people were stuck on the ride for two hours whilst the paramedics worked on the woman. She had um, head injuries and was transferred to hospital.
2: So that ride's going to be closed for the foreseeable future while police and WorkSafe Victoria investigate.
0: And it's been a mega weekend of sport and mega painful for me personally. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure how you feel about these results, Katrina. Um, Well, the Eels beat the Cowboys on home turf on Friday night to make their way into the grand final. So I was happy for Parramatta to get in there.
2: Yeah, I don't know that anyone in Queensland was happy about that. It was an (laughs) annihilation. And, you know, the Cowboys were our great hope because the Broncos just Mm. aren't doing anything anymore. So, yeah, I feel like there was a full weekend of of mourning for that loss.
0: (laughs) So then in the AFL grand final Saturday afternoon, an 81-point whitewash, (laughs) the Swans, our Sydney team, demolished by the Geelong Cats.
2: Yeah, which doesn't make for incredible viewing. And I think that could be, I mean, there were huge numbers at the MCG, but not great TV viewing figures, which, you know, could have something to do with that, could also have something to do with, it was an amazing weekend um, in many places, uh, weather-wise. So, you know, 2.30 in the afternoon, you don't really want to be stuck in your lounge room watching TV.
0: that's right, and there's talk of pushing that game into um, primetime TV in the evening, but then it's not as good at the MCG, so that's always a bit of a tussle for the AFL. Uh, then, of course, flicked over to the Bledisloe. Um, wow, the Wallabies completely overpowered by the All Blacks, 40 to 14. That was demoralizing. And then I switched on the NRL, the second semi, and... The Rabbitohs, I used to live in that area, so love the Rabbitohs. They were up 12 points against the Panthers before Penrith scored 32 unanswered points. Ouch.
2: Ah, Just as well, you didn't bet your house on any of those results, Tom. You had a shocker there. However, I know how much you love cycling and there was Mm. some amazing results in the big cycling world championship in Wollongong yesterday in the road races.
0: Well, not for Aussies. So, yeah, this was the climax of a week of amazing international cycling events in Wollongong. So it was an amazing week for that city and and the people there watching – Many hoped that an Aussie would tank out the big men's road event yesterday, but it wasn't to be. A 22-year-old Belgian called Remco Evenepol completely stole the show. Um, Australian Michael Matthews did manage a third um, right at the end, sprinting to the line. Um, And in the women's road race on Saturday, our Aussie hopes all landed outside the top 10. So I won't put the kiss of death on... On the NRL Grand Final this weekend. Who are you going <laughs> yeah. for?
2: Please don't tell us who you're going for. I, you know, I, I spent quite a bit of time living and working in Sydney and did a number of stories at the Penrith Panthers Leagues Club. So I do feel a tiny bit of a connection to the Panthers. That's probably who I'll back next weekend.
0: Mm, that's a very distant connection. You did a few stories in the area. I mean, did you do a few <laughs> stories around connection Parramatta as
2: well? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my team is the Canberra Raiders because Canberra's where I grew up, you you had many fond memories of watching the Raiders back in their glory days. Uh, so you know, if the Raiders aren't in it, then I've got to say I'm I'm not that into it.
0: Yeah, well, it's a great um, Western Sydney rivalry, Penrith versus Parramatta. So I think it's it's going to be an awesome rugby league grand final. And I think even coming as a as a rugby union supporter. The rugby league is in a really healthy state. The level of skill and the rivalries in the game at the moment are incredible. All right, Katrina, we'll catch you again tomorrow. Antoinette is about to bring us this fascinating interview with Adele Ferguson and how her expose on the cosmetic surgery industry started with a mystery USB stick.
3: botched boob jobs, cosmetic cowboys and illegal procedures. These have all led to countless patients left deformed and in some cases almost dying. There is a crisis in Australia's cosmetic surgery sector and it's a lucrative and growing industry and it's worth around $1.4 billion. And the reality is anyone with a basic medical degree can call themselves a cosmetic surgeon and and start offering facelifts. They don't even need to have that six years of additional surgical training. And you may be thinking, well, it feels like every few years there are scandals in the industry, and you're not wrong. However, until now, little has been done to change it. Adele Ferguson is a Gold Walkley award-winning journo with Nine. She's also guest reported for ABC's Four Corners program, Adele, you've been leading the charge when it comes to exposing the cosmetic surgery industry. Like, what was it exactly that caught your eye?
1: It was a whistleblower nurse who'd been working for the Dr Lanza Clinics, which was the biggest cosmetic surgery clinics in Australia. And Dr Lanza was a celebrity. Mm. He was had his own TV show and he was the go-to person on cosmetic surgery. And this nurse told me that there was just shocking practices going on hygiene, safety issues and botched patients. And then a USB landed in my letterbox and it had all these leaked images and messages of what was really going on in the Lanza clinics. And it was absolutely shocking. And that's what really piqued my interest and just kept me going. So this USB landed in your home letterbox, your work letterbox? In my home letterbox. Any idea how they
3: located you, who it's from?
1: I have no idea and I don't want to know. Right. Uh, but it was it was incredible. It had the, the dancing Jolene video where it had two of Lanza's doctors who were actually uh, dancing while they were thrusting a, a long cannula into an unconscious patient and the anaesthetist was dancing. As it transpired, he wasn't an anaesthetist. There have
3: been calls and concerns for like more than a decade and these particular doctors in those leaked videos or even the, the doctor at the centre of the whistleblower case, Dr Lanza, um, he's not alone. This is bigger than one or two rogue
1: doctors. Why, why weren't calls for changes heeded sooner? It's a really interesting question because this industry has been neglected for years. There's been so many amazing stories done over the decades about dodgy doctors who are putting people in harm's way Mm. and then that would trigger a parliamentary inquiry, there'd be recommendations and very little would happen. I don't know why there was no appetite for it. I think it was probably vested interest, Mm. really good lobbying to stop any change happening because this is a $1.4 billion industry Mm. and it's just growing like Topsy. Do you think
3: it could have possibly been a bit of a a George Floyd moment? And I don't mean to minimise the awful and excruciating death that we all witnessed with George Floyd, but we had those statistics when it came to, say, black deaths in custody. We knew it was a problem for so long, but it wasn't until everybody saw imagery that we just couldn't look away anymore.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, It was inside the clinic. So we'd Mm. had patient testimony before about what was going on and we'd seen these terrible things. But in this case, with this cosmetic cowboy story, what we were seeing was actually behind the scenes of the glitz and glamour of the Mm. cosmetic surgery industry, where you had human fat in fridges. You had, uh, you know, Botox injections that were half used, you know, all these and blood things. being sprayed on walls and, oh. Flies in operating theatres, mm. illegal surgeries being done in unregistered practices, all these sorts of things. Expired medication and they were, you know, doctoring audits before the regulators had come in.
3: And like, I don't want to besmirch an entire industry because I know plenty of people who've had cosmetic surgery and are happy with the outcome and with their treatment. So can you give us a bit of an idea of
1: what some of the worst practitioners are doing? They just didn't have any safety or hygiene. And so people were getting infections. Some of them ended up in septic shock. And you'd have messages coming out from these doctors saying, don't go to hospital you know, we can manage it.
3: And why is that? Is that a covering their own butts exercise? It was
1: absolutely covering their own butts because if the hospitals found out what was going on or other plastic surgeons, then they might get dobbed into the regulator.
3: One of the biggest issues here that is finally looks like it's going to change is who is doing these surgeries and who can call themselves a cosmetic surgeon. Talk me through what was happening um, and how people were able to operate um, given minimal training
1: they had. Yeah, so what it is is there's, people would hear there's a cosmetic surgeon and we'd automatically assume that a surgeon has had surgical training and that wasn't the case at all. And that's six years of training? That's six years of training. A lot of these cosmetic surgeons just had a basic medical degree or were GPs mm. and so they had you know, come out of university and they can do a course, and it can be a 15-hour course to learn how to do a facelift Mm -hmm. or a 90-minute online course on doing a labiaplasty, which are really invasive and they can destroy people's lives, and they have, and that's what was legal. They could do that. So you had all these cosmetic surgeons that weren't properly trained, and even though they might have done a lot of procedures, When things went wrong, Mm. they really weren't equipped to know what was happening. So you had the guy in Melbourne Mm. and uh, he had a patient and he'd lacerated her liver 17 times. He'd liposucked her liver during liposuction surgery. She comes to, she's screaming for five hours in pain, not knowing what's going on. She finally gets to call an ambulance and she's bleeding internally. He didn't know. Mm. Well, I guess
3: six years of an ad- additional medical training can't be replaced by fifteen hours or an online course. I mean, that that's the reality. But there there is some changes coming thanks to your investigation and the public sort of pressure and advocacy. Health ministers, um, state and federal, came together earlier this month. They're making some changes. What are the biggest wins?
1: So the biggest wins are they've they've all come to an agreement that the law has to change. So you can no longer call yourself a surgeon. If you're not a surgeon. So at least people will now understand that if they see the word cosmetic surgeon, that person has got proper training. That's a big win. ARPRA has been, which is the national regulator, has mm. been humiliated and embarrassed mm. because they have completely dropped the ball for years mm. on this industry. And they've now um, agreed that they're going to try and pick up their game. So they've um, set up a, an enforcement unit for cosmetic surgery dedicated to that and put in four and a half million dollars, and they've set up a hotline. Mm-hmm. So we we can just hope that the regulators start doing what they should be doing. And let's be um,
3: honest about this as well. This is a huge and super lucrative industry, and one of one of the things you know with doctors is do no harm. That's one of their kind of primary principles. Do, do you worry that profits are being put over patient care because there is so much
1: money to be made? Oh, absolutely. They've been cutting corners for years. And, you know, we've seen some of the egregious cases where corners are being cut, where you've got expired medication being used before the new medication comes in. This is for anaesthetics. This is no small thing. And many other cases where you've got just patients who are just being pumped out like Mm. like it's a factory. And so do
3: these changes go far enough? Obviously, they're steps in the right direction and steps that people um, concerned, people have been advocating for more than a decade. Um, Do they go far enough? And if not, what else do you think
1: is needed? I don't think they go far enough. I think the state regulators also need to start looking at themselves. So what happens is if you're not a surgeon, you can't do operations in proper hospitals. Mm. So a lot of these people have opened up their own day hospitals And there's no eyes on what's going on. And they
3: probably don't have the infrastructure if things go terribly wrong,
1: I'd imagine. That's exactly right. So there really needs to be a clamp down on that. Mm. There needs to be some regulations put in place and more oversight, not this, you know, we're giving you six weeks notice before we come in and do an audit. There needs to be a clean out of the, the medical board
3: Yeah, well, the leaders at APRA, well, that's that medical regulator you mentioned, they've not resigned despite calls to let them go. Do you believe they're part of the problem?
1: I absolutely do believe they're part of the problem. They're just a gentle regulator Mm. and we need someone that's tough.
3: And I mean, but how much is that with APRA and how much is that with legislation and government giving APRA more powers to be tougher?
1: APRA does have some powers and you can see with some of the doctors who have done terrible things. There's one doctor in Melbourne who at least eight women were hospitalised last year mm. due to his work. He was performing illegal surgeries during lockdown and uh, the only thing that APRA did to him was to say, you can't practise cosmetic surgery anymore, but you can be a GP. So he's practising as a GP. Yeah, Wow.
3: I mean, we've, we've heard of people being hospitalised, infections, you know, awful outcomes. Do we know how many people have died on the operating table undergoing cosmetic procedures?
1: No, we don't, there's no stats. It's really hard. There's no, and that's the other thing that mm. we do need is a central database to show how many people have been, you know, hurt. Because sometimes it doesn't log as cosmetic surgery. You could mm. have a heart attack mm. and that's what it will be. You know, you could die a few weeks later due to septic shock Mm. and and it's not logged as Mm. cosmetic surgery related. So it's really difficult to know if there've been deaths. And the latest revelations have led to
3: um, growing calls for a Royal Commission. Do you think that's what is needed to bring about some of those additional changes?
1: I do. And I don't say that lightly Mm. because, you know, Royal Commissions are, you know... Enormous undertakings, (laughs) yeah. Enormous undertakings. But I think this is really important because... It's people's lives we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the regulatory system is a mess. You've got the state and the federal and, you know, the lots fall between the gaps. And it really needs to have a proper holistic look at what's what's gone wrong here. So if someone listening has had
3: a terrible cosmetic surgery experience, where would you direct them?
1: And are you hopeful that it's likely to go
3: anywhere? I
1: would hope it does now. I would direct them to go to Apra. Mm-hmm. You know that's really the best place to go, and they then hopefully will do something because they've got this new enforcement unit, and there's the hotline and an enforcement unit. So you would hope the sad thing here is if things do go wrong, they generally have to pay it for it out of their own pocket.
3: Adele Ferguson, Gold Walkley award-winning journo with nine, both newspapers and TV. She's also guest reported for ABC's Four Corners program. As I mentioned, I do know lots of people who've had various, you know, nips and tucks and things. And for many of them, it's gone fine without complications. But I know that this is also an industry that because there is so much money to be made, and thanks to social media, so many more people, including super young people, going under the knife. We just need to clean the industry up. Medical practitioners at their very basis need to do no harm. And putting profits over patients is its something that needs to stop.
0: Listener.